Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. If you have your Bibles, please turn them to Psalm 46. It was just read for us, and that's where we're going to be this morning. Uh, we're continuing in a, in a couple weeks looking at the Psalms, and so Psalm 46 in your Bibles. Uh, something we see all throughout the Bible is that the people of God go through some extremely difficult things. But what sets them apart from the people of the world is that God is always with them. That God is always with his people. God was with his people in Egypt. God was with them as he led them out in the Exodus. God was with them in the wilderness. God was with them as they made their way into the promised land. God was with them even as they went into exile. God was always with his people. One memory that always comes to mind uh, of my dad was in first year of university. I had a difficult time adjusting to the new workload, and I'm sure a lot of you can, can attest to that and sympathize with that. I was overwhelmed with all this biology, chemistry, physics, and it was just overwhelming. Uh, and so my dad, being really kind, he was like, let me take you out to a 24-hour Timmy's. I'll sit with you at the table, and you can study as long as you want. He was with me during that time. I knew that I had his support, that he would be there as long as I needed, even if it meant he had a long day at work and we'd be up till like two in the morning. I also knew that his credit card was readily available to me. So I had bottomless coffee all the way up until 2 a.m. My dad's presence with me made all the difference. Now, for the people of God, that means even more, because God is always with his people. And even though my dad was limited in his help, he couldn't help me with my physics or biology. He could just help me by being there. But God, in his presence, can actually help his people. God's presence with his people makes all the difference. And that's what the psalm today is going to teach us. Psalm 46 is going to teach us that God is always with his people. Amen. And that should be an encouragement to us. Let's look at verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now, some psalms begin with the problem. They, they start off with the psalmist crying out in despair, but this psalm starts off with a declaration of absolute trust in God. He declares that God is his refuge, meaning that there's divine protection. God is our strength, meaning that there's divine power. But notice that protection and power that is available through God isn't something that's far away. Notice what he says right after. A very, what? Present help in trouble. This should be an encouragement to us because it teaches us that no matter what, God is always there. God is always there and he's present near to us to help. 
This is the doctrine of, of God's omnipresence, that he's, though he's always everywhere, that time and space poses no limitation to him. He is especially with his people. And he's specially there to help them and to, and to be with them. And because of that, this is what we can know. We can know that no matter what, that God will hear us. That because God isn't far away, that he's our very present help, that all our prayers go, don't go unheard. There's not one prayer that we will make that falls on deaf ears. That God hears our prayers. So, but we need to be ready, though. That sometimes the answer that we might be expecting will be different than the answer that God gives Because what he provides, he gives knowing all that he knows about us, what is good for us, and what will bring him the most glory. But because he hears us, we also know that he can help us. The psalmist establishes God's great power and protection that is readily available to us, that he lacks nothing, that our God is able to help us in our need because he lacks nothing. And he answers us, though, and he helps us, again, in his timing, in a way that is most good for us and brings him the most glory. Now, having established all of this, his big view of God, the psalmist goes on. Because he's convinced that God is all-powerful, that he will protect, and he's very present, he goes on to say, because God is always with his people, look at verse 2. Therefore, therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Back in 2004, Um, some of you might remember there was a giant tsunami and it hit multiple countries and including Sri Lanka. And so my family went there to visit some of our friends and family the, the year after that and the destruction was devastating. But what the psalmist is describing here isn't that kind of natural disaster. The writer here is describing the absolute reversal of all of creation. We have to remember in Genesis 1, God's crea- God creates order out of chaos. He sets the limits to the chaotic waters, and he sets up boundaries for the dry land, and he establishes the earth and the, the seasons, the sun and the moon, all for the flourishing of his creation. But now in Psalm 46, verses 2 to 3, all of that is coming apart. But the psalm is telling us, that even if everything that we see around us explodes and all comes apart, that we will not fear. Why? Because God will be there with us. Because God is there with us, and that makes all the difference. Because God's with us, God's presence, and this is our first point, God's presence should give us comfort in the present. God's presence with us should give us comfort in the The present. Look at verse 4. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. Notice this isn't the first time the psalmist is talking about water. In verse 3, the sea is raging and it's foaming and it's posing a threat to God's people. But like north and south, the next verse is the complete opposite. In verse 4, there's a life-giving river that brings joy to the people of God. 
What this teaches us is that even in the middle of complete chaos, we can be right in the middle of it, in the most painful and difficult situations, there can be joy. Why? Look at what he says in verse 4, the holy habitation of the Most High. Verse 5, God is in the midst of her. God is with us. And so in the middle of chaos, we can have joy because God's presence is the very source of the river that sustains life and brings joy and gladness to his people. God's faithful presence is what produces joy in the middle of chaos. Now God's commitment to his people, God's commitment to his city, God's faithful presence is the reason why the psalmist says in verse 5 again, she shall not be moved. Now, a good question for us as readers that we should be asking as we come to the psalm is, where is that city? Well, David Mathis helps us here, and he says this, no longer is there a particular physical place where God has pledged his special favor and presence. Now, there's a particular person, God's own son, Christians don't rally to a particular city. We rally to a particular person for refuge, for strength, and very present help in trouble. And we do so together to form a people, which means that the church is a critical context for finding joy in crisis. And this place where God chooses to be present in all of his strength once in ancient Jerusalem and now in Christ Jesus and now in his body, the church, verse 5, says, shall not be moved. See, it is the church which God has purchased by the blood of Christ, where God dwells through the indwelling of his spirit, both individually and corporately in the body, that Jesus promises will not be moved. See, Jesus promises this to us in Matthew. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's great encouragement, and that's great joy and confidence and comfort that should come. Because here's what that means for us. Here's one thing that it means for us. That the church that is built and ordained by God is used by God to help bring joy and security and comfort to God's people. That through the hard things that we face in life, God uses his church in this way. And this happens as we come together, as we regularly commit to meeting with one another, as we pray for one another, as we sing together. I don't know about you, but during, during worship earlier today, just to hear everyone's voices declaring together that our God is great, God uses that to bring joy and comfort and, and security to our hearts. As we counsel one another, as we simply, like my dad did with me, visit and just sit with one another in life's pains and sorrows and joys. Now this reality should encourage us, it should challenge us, and it should warn us. It encourages us because people in our church are doing this. And that's something to celebrate, that people are committing to do these things for one another. And it should encourage us in that way, but it also challenges us to commit further, to to be committed to healthy participation in the local church, to be a member who supports one another and cares for one another. But it also warns us. It warns us not to drift away from the church. 
Because God's ordained, main, ordained means of grace for providing joy and security and comfort in the midst of chaos, one of the ways is through his church. So it warns us not to drift away because storms are coming. Difficulties and pain are guaranteed in this life. And you do not want to face them alone because God doesn't want you to face them alone. He wants you to have the support that you need and he's given you the gift of the church for that. But notice, there's not only gladness during the chaos. Look at verse five again. God will help her when morning dawns. God will help her when morning dawns. Like we can count on the sun to come up every single morning. The night may feel real dark and real long, but morning is coming. Morning is guaranteed. See, the last few weeks we've been singing the song, and in the bridge it goes like this. I know how this story ends. I know how this story ends, and we will be with you again. There's no question what God is going to do. Amen? That he's told us in his word, and we can be confident in that. That while we wait for morning, also we aren't left on our own. Remember, God is always with us. That's the whole point of this psalm, that God is with his people, and he's with us right now through the indwelling of his spirit, who produces in us springs of living water that produce joy and gladness, sustaining us and helping us to obey. A people like this, Sustained by the very presence of God, producing joy, who are secure in that reality, knowing, in their, knowing their confidence that, that Jesus will come back and he will bank on that promise. He will, in his perfect time, make good on that promise, are like a city on a hill. In a culture that is falling deeper and deeper into chaos, the church, the people of God should be a, an example of a people who are at peace. That in a culture that is moving further and further away, we should be a people who are stable, who are sound in mind, who are full of joy and gladness. And God can use that as an example, as a way to draw people to himself. Here are our people who are not moved, not because they have strength and confidence in themselves, but because God is in the midst of her. Therefore, she shall not be moved. Now, the psalmist goes on, he doesn't end there. Verse six, the nations rage and the kingdoms totter. See, the nations and the kingdoms, like the, the raging seas and the mountains in verses two and three, rage and totter. The same language is used in verses two and three. What the psalmist is showing us here is that they are a threat to God's people. But notice the psalmist isn't worried. Look what happens he keeps going, verse six. He utters his voice and the earth melts. See, the boasting of the humanly powerful is silenced by the very voice of God. He just speaks and all of their confidence, like a popsicle on a hot summer's day, melts and is gone. There is no chance. Now, some of us, if we are honest with ourselves and with each other, we're going to say that we're anxious, we're worried. We look around the world. We might be in a place that is not experiencing that great of a hardship, but we look around the world, the threat of nuclear war, corrupt leaders, and we're not sure what that it means for our families. But this verse reminds us that it's no threat to God. 
that the nations and the kingdoms might be flexing and boasting, but God, like in Psalm 2, sits on his throne and he laughs. He doesn't even need to get up. They pose no threat to him. And this God who is all-powerful is a God who is with us. Look at verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The God who sits enthroned and laughs at the nation's boasting is the God who is with his people. See, the writer intentionally uses the title Lord, all caps in your Bibles. And what that communicates is God's covenant name. The psalmist is reminding us that God is faithful to his people. He is always faithful and he will keep every one of his promises. And it's this God who also has the, all, all the hosts of angels, the whole host of heaven at his command that is with us. God is always present with his people. And his presence should give us comfort in the present. But here's our second point. God's presence should also give us confidence for the future. God's presence should give us confidence for the future. See, the psalmist is comforted by the sure and faithful presence of God, and he now turns to the enemies of God and God's people, and he says this in verse 8 and 9. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. This this language almost comes across as as mocking, like a child who is bragging to his friend, my dad's stronger, let me show you. He's, He's bragging about the power of his God. See, the nations and the kingdoms come raging, but remember in verse six, God just needs to breathe. And they are finished. Now in verse 8 and 9, the very weapons and the vehicles of their war, God destroys. This is something that is easy to miss, but I I want to point it out quickly. That God accomplishes this victory by establishing peace. God accomplishes this victory by establishing peace. Notice what he's destroying. It's the weapons and the vehicles of war. God destroys that which can harm others and bring about war. And he does this because he establishes peace. And he ultimately does this through the work of his son, Jesus, on the cross. By the blood that he sheds, enemies are made into friends. The wall of hostility is put down and met with reconciliation. Now the gospel of the Son, as it continues to spread and advance in the world, brings about peace. It makes war cease to the ends of the earth. And he does this, God does this, as he reconciles people to himself and to one another. Now we live in a world where war is reality. This country might not be experiencing it right now, but that might not always be the case. We're surrounded by war. But the encouragement to us is that one day is coming when wars will cease. There will be no more conflict. There will be no more civilian casualties. There will be no more children dying in schools. There will be no more drone strikes. There will be no more conflict because the prince of peace will establish his kingdom and will reign forever. That's why we need to pray for God's return. 
That's why we need to commit to praying for his kingdom to advance so that peace may be established to the ends of the earth. I didn't want us to miss that because it's very easy to miss. But here's what's not, what is absolutely clear, that it's always a lost cause going against God. God wins every battle. That's our source of confidence, that God's power is unstoppable. That's why the psalm keeps going. But notice, notice it's not the psalmist speaking anymore. It's God. Verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Now, some of us have this verse hanging in our house. And when we think about this verse, we're thinking about vacation at the cottage, a nice still lake. We go out early in the morning with our hot cup of coffee. We open our Bibles and have a nice devotional. But this verse is more like the police officer saying, stop it, freeze, drop your weapons. God is speaking to the enemies that are raging and saying, give up, you are not going to win. Now this is both terrifying and should inspire confidence. It's terrifying for those who aren't on God's side. Because God is always with his people and he will use his power to defend them, to protect them, and to sustain them. And remember, God always wins. If you are not a Christian, here in this room, you need to understand that every time you hear the gospel preached is a call from God to surrender, to be still, to trust in Christ. This is God's mercy and kindness to you. God is speaking to the nations, calling them to lay down arms and to trust in him. Now for the believer, it should give great confidence because it's not the last time we hear God saying, be still. Much later, what we celebrate every single year in Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us, the divine son, takes on flesh and in the middle of a raging storm with his disciples, completely panicked, speaks to the storm and says, peace, be still. And just like God was with the disciples then in Jesus, God is with us through his spirit. And he comforts us and helps us by reminding us that God has all power that he can speak into any situation that we face, bringing peace. And he reminds us also that he's done that. He's brought peace with God through the work of his son that he's accomplished by, again, speaking words. It is finished. That through those words, he stilled the raging of God's wrath. He disarmed death and silenced the accuser. We have confidence that our God can do that. And that's why he doesn't stop there. Look, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The very same nations that God tells to stop their raging, he says that he will be exalted in. Far from this being a, a selfish motivation, God's glory is the greatest good for his people. It's the most loving thing he could do. God's glory is the saint's greatest good because our hearts were designed to delight in him. It's the goal of all of history. That's why the exaltation of the king of glory, that's why we pray, hallowed be your name. God's commitment to his glory throughout all the nations is the reason why the divine son comes to earth for us and dies in our place. 
It's the reason why Jesus prays right before going to the cross in John 17, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you've given me to do. It's why Paul says over and over and over again when he thinks about the work of God in salvation, says that it's all to the praise of his glory. God is being exalt God being exalted is the greatest good for his people. Now don't miss the certainty of what God is saying. I will be exalted. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. There's no doubt how this story will end. There's no other way that the kingdoms of the earth will become the kingdoms of God and Jesus will reign forever. But here's what's amazing. Here's what's amazing. How does he do this? He does this through the witness and the testimony of his people. Remember, it's the psalmist in verse 8 who says, come, behold the works of God. God is exalted among the nations through the witness and the testimony of his people. And we don't do it on our own. Look at verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This mission that God has given to his people to call to the nations to come and to behold is fueled and sustained by the very presence of God. God is with his people, and that's why the mission will succeed. That's why the church will stand, because Christ builds it, and because God sustains his people as they declare. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always. I'm with you always to the end of the age. The call to declare to the nations, come and behold is sandwiched in between God's great power. All authority has been given to him. And also God's presence, that he is always with us to the very end of the age. See, God's presence, like we said at the very beginning, makes all the difference. And his presence should give us comfort in the present and confidence for the future. Like the psalmist says, he will be exalted among the nations. He will be exalted in the earth. God will be glorified. Brothers and sisters, this is a guarantee. God will be exalted. And he does this through the church. And because we can say this, that the Lord of hosts is with us, that the God of Jacob is our fortress, we know that this mission will succeed all to the glory of his name. Amen. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you've reminded us of who you are. That this psalm highlights not just the confidence of the psalmist, but who you are. That you are a God who is all-powerful. You are a God who is with us. You are a refuge and strength and a very present help in trouble. So we pray that by your spirit that you'd remind us of these things. Equip us for the work that you have us to do. Help us 
for the glory of your name, that you would be exalted on, in the earth, exalted among the nations. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.